Alright legends, welcome back to Hellmouth Hotline, I'm your host Rodney Stewart We're getting on to Friday the 13th, a new beginning in this episode Now, I did say in previous podcast here in the lead up to this one That this one here was a surprise for me And one that I pretty much enjoyed But, uh, you know, that's one thing to make up an opinion directly after making the movie And letting it sit for a couple of days and really turn it over in your head. Now, the thing I did enjoy about this movie was it did catch me out and what they were doing in this movie. I really appreciate that in any film, whether it be horror, drama, whatever it may be, um, if the story can successfully bait and switch you and uh, you think you're going step to step with it and then you realise, oh, right, something completely different is happening here. I enjoy that very much. So that they do successfully do it in this movie, and it pretty much starts off with a, a well, it turns out to be a dream nightmare sequence for Tommy Jarvis, and we get um, what's his face back at the beginning of this, uh, Corey Fieldman. Um, he is walking through a forest and he sees the grave of Jason Voorhees and he hears somebody coming and he goes to hide and these guys dig up the coffin of Jason and Jason pops up, kills the two of them and then walks towards Tommy's character or Corey Fieldman's character and he's about to slash him and at that he wakes up and we discover that some time has passed between the events of the previous film and right now. Tommy is now a teenager. It's several years after the death of Jason. And Tommy is tormented by nightmares of the mass murder resulting in internment in numerous psychiatric hospitals. And he's eventually transferred to the Pinehurst halfway house managed by Dr. Matt Letter and his assistant Pam Roberts. There Tommy meets a circle of other teens, including Eddie and Tina, uh, the stutterer Jake, uh, the goth Violet, uh, a serious woman Robin and a compulsive eater Joey Burns. And uh, there's a young kid Reggie Winter, whose grandfather, George, works as the the halfway house cook. Uh, the group is disliked by their neighbour, Ethel, and Eddie and Tina have made it a habit of engaging and getting it on on her property. And for this reason, Matt forbids the group from venturing outside of the halfway house's premises. Uh... Vic Fadden, another patient in the Institute, is gripped by a fit of madness caused by Joey's constant pestering this guy. Joey's a bit fat kid, he's always eating chocolate and he's trying his best to be to get in, involved in something. And uh, he tries to help with laundry earlier and the two girls that are doing the laundry hanging it up on the clothesline in the backyard are just annoyed by him 
and he's not allowed to do this stuff. And you know, he says I can help out, and he lifts something to help them, but he's forever eating chocolate, eating disorder, all that sort of stuff, and gets the sheets covered in chocolate. So they tell him to get out of their face. He goes over to this guy Vic. He's chopping wood, and he just wants to be left alone. We don't get to figure out exactly what's up with this guy, but uh, yes, he's just he's not having it. He's just insanely angry the whole time you see him uh, he doesn't hang about for long and neither does uh, poor Joey Joey as pestering him to let him help chop wood and he even offers him a chocolate bar and the guy chops it with the axe and Joey's like well that's okay fair enough I give up and he tries to walk away and Vic loses his cool not that there was much there in the first place and he brutally kills Joey with an axe so there was the first thing I wasn't really expecting to happen in the the movie was uh, you know you're you're used to Jason handing out all the murders in these movies so somebody else to do it to kick it off was just uh, something that I should have caught because I think that was the giveaway uh, for this movie uh, he gets arrested and that evening uh, well these two guys turn up in a hospital ambulance to remove the body and uh, there is a moment where one of them is lifting the body one of them's been a smart ass that's just an hour day at the office for him but this other guy there is a moment where he bends down to lift the body and he sort of has a look on his face that really, really should have caught. And uh, I should say at this point, or I should have said at the beginning of the podcast, you know, this is the, the spoilerific shit here. So, uh, yes, I don't know if it was because I was tired and whatnot, but, you know, when a film catches you out and then you discover where it's going, what it's doing, and you kind of play it back in your head, and you go for everything that's happened, and you're kind of like, oh, this was signposted incredibly well, whenever you think back on it. But uh, that evening, there's two greasers and a car, and Vinny and Pete, they're murdered by an unseen killer, and, you know, it's it's one of these things where, again, with these movies, continuity's not a huge, huge issue. Uh, Take... Nightmare on Elm Street, for example, like uh, most movies finished off with Freddy getting killed and uh, turning up again in the next movie. And, uh, you know, most of the time it made sense, but there's a few times there you're kind of like, oh, right, he's back. We don't know why, we don't know how, but he's here. But uh, it is what it is, but it's, it goes into that old school style of, you know, you're, you're seeing the killer's feet walking up, uh, you're seeing the murder instrument and whatnot, but you're not actually seeing the face of the the killer, but at this point you're assuming that it's Jason, and Jason's back and he's going to kill all around him again, and the movie just goes into pretty much a lot of the similar stuff that we're used to, a lot of teenagers uh, getting killed, and a lot of unnecessary nudity, this movie was remembered that for a lot of that, 
on this one. Um, yeah. Uh, there's a diner, a waitress and her boyfriend are killed the following night. So like, there's, a, there's a huge amount of murders in this movie. Um, the sheriff of the town, he thinks he has it worked out that Jason Voorhees has come back to life. And as the perpetrator of these murders, uh, while Tommy himself has rendered uh, a suspicious party on it, he keeps having all these visions of Jason as well throughout the movie. Like he'd be looking out into the garden, all of a sudden Jason's there, he closes his eyes and tries to make him disappear when he wakes up, or when he opens his eyes, there's no sign of Jason. So he's not just having nightmares of Jason, he's actually hallucinating Jason as well throughout the movie. And plus, while all that's happening, of course there's murders happening, and it's clearly Jason that's doing it at this point. Uh, as far as the the viewers concerned, um, the next morning Eddie and Tina they head off into the forest, get their clothes off, have a good time. They're spotted by Ethel's farmhand, a guy Raymond, who turned up looking for a job in, ex- in exchange for a meal, and uh, he's killed <laughs> after returning from. Washing off in the creek, Eddie finds that Tina's been murdered, and he soon meets the same fate. Of course, you know, it's just like murder after murder after murder in this movie for the most part. Meanwhile, Reggie, the kid, begs his grandfather to then go visit his brother at a trailer park nearby. Uh, he's just returned to town. Pam offers to accompany him and brings Tommy along, and as Pam and Reggie enjoys some enchiladas with his brother and his girlfriend. Tommy meets Ethel's son, Junior, and gets into a fight with him. She was turns up at the start of the movie and she's given off to the guy that's running this place. He's, you know, keep your teenagers off my land, I'm going to kill them, all this sort of stuff. I'd rip them apart. Um, the sheriff tries to calm her down. She starts screaming that she's wearing a bomb and she'll blow everybody up. So she's a head case, her son's an an absolute nut job and uh, when his son meets Tommy at this trailer park he attacks him you know we're, we're gonna my mum was gonna tear you apart sort of thing but uh, yeah Tommy gives as good as he gets beats the crap out of him and uh, yes uh, Pam and Reggie return to the institute where they're they're warned of the disappearance of Matt and Reggie's grandfather. So we don't actually see what happens to him, but he's getting t- he's got taken out by this murderer as well. Uh, Pam goes to search for them, untrusting Reggie and Violet. Jake and Robin uh, to look after everything that's happening. Uh, Ethel and Junior, they're killed. Uh... And by the time Junior gets taken out, you're kind of like just that whole sequence. He's, he's gone crazy. He's on his motorbike riding around in the front yard, screaming under the house at his mother, like, go kill these people, go kill these people. And by the time he gets his head literally taken off his shoulders, you're kind of glad to see it happening. But, uh, yeah, his mother's killed as well. Uh, as are Jake, Robin and Violet. After Reggie falls asleep, the kid falls asleep in the house and a lot of the other teenagers are taken out. Reggie eventually 
awakes uh, just as Pam returns and they discover the three corpses in Tommy's room. Uh, the killer seemingly resurrected Jason for his bursts into the house. So we it's just it's standard issue Friday the thirteenth stuff at this point in the movie. After a long chase in which Pam and Reggie find the corpses of Matt and Reggie's grandfather, uh Jason is struck by a tractor that the kid drives and uh he's knocked out. Kinda gives them briefly enough time for them to run and hide. And he comes into the barn uh just as Tommy turns up and uh he gets attacked by Jason because he's uh he's traumatized that badly that you know, is this the real Jason? Is this an hallucination that I'm having? But uh, Jason attacks and uh, slashes him across the chest. And uh, Tommy defends himself and eventually Tommy throws Jason from the loft window onto a tractor. Harrow. I had to look this up and see what it was called. It was this thing just full of spikes. And uh, he's... Spikes come out all over the body, killing them instantly, and in the process, the the hockey mask comes off, revealing that Jason was in fact Roy Borden's, and he was one of the paramedics, as I said earlier. You know, whenever they were lifting the body of Joey, uh, one of the paramedics had this look in his face, and there was kind of something there, didn't really give it away, but in hindsight, it was signposted fairly well and uh, the police later identify Roy as Joey's father and determine that he went insane after his son's death and sought revenge inspired by the stories of Jason's killing spree later while recovering in the hospital Tommy has another hallucination of Jason standing at the foot of his bed and he faces his fears and makes him disappear then he hears Pam approaching and he smashes a window to appear as though he's escaped and when she walks into the room uh, Tommy appears from behind the door and he's wearing the hockey mask and holding the kitchen knife. So, you know, it's an interesting film but uh, Jason's not in it properly, I should say. Uh, Jason, obviously... Same guy playing him, same bald, same everything. But as far as the story's concerned, Jason Voorhees died in the previous film and this was all trauma through other people resurrecting the the uh, idea of Jason throughout this movie. And uh, I enjoy it for the fact that it caught me out. I wasn't expecting it to go that way. But uh, at the same time, I was kind of like, oh... By the end of the movie, I'm kind of like, all right, I kind of wish that was the real Jason in this one. I think a lot of people, from what I've been reading here, felt the same. Um, it was, let me just look through some of the stats we've got right here. Uh, Friday the 13th, A New Beginning, also known as Friday the 13th Part 5, A New Beginning. Uh, yes, released 1985. It had a budget of 2.2 million at the box office, would be a 22 million back. Um, 
uh, set years after the events of the final chapter. Uh, the story follows teenage Tommy Jarvis. Yes, we've gone through all that sort of stuff there. Um, a New Beginning features a high number of on-screen murders. That's insane, the amount of people that get taken out in this movie, in all fairness. Aside from its gore and violence, the film has also become known for its explicit nudity and sex scenes, the numerous depictions of drug use, uh, Peter Brack's book, Crystal Lake Memories, The Complete History of Friday the 13th, details that behind the scenes, the production was plagued with hardcore drug use. The film also features a cameo from Corey Fiedelman, who portrayed Tommy Jarvis in the previous film. Um, yeah, A New Beginning was released theatrically March 22, 1985, grossing 22 million. The film was initially going to set up a new trilogy of films with a different villain for the series. So there you are, I was kind of... Didn't sit well for me, that there, really. Uh, the, the actual Jason wasn't in it. Even though we had a Jason, but it wasn't the real one. Um, so it says here, and a lot of people agreed with that sort of feeling, uh, it was initially going to set up a new trilogy with a different villain for the series, after a disappointing reception from fans and a steep decline in the box office receipts from part three, the final chapter, Jason Voorhees was brought back for the next instalment, Friday the 13th, Jason Lives in 1986, and he's been the main antagonist in the series since. Uh, in addition to weak box office returns, the film received mostly negative reviews from critics. That's fair. Um... The film itself, even the, as I said, I enjoyed this movie, but simply because of the bait and switch they successfully pulled off, I really appreciate that. But whenever you get to the end of the movie and you have time to ingest what just happened, yes, I agree with that there. It's, that's one worth watching, it's one worth enjoying. But in the, the grand scheme of things of Friday the 13th and that main villain not being in the film properly just made it a little bit less enjoyable. But it is what it is. So I'm looking forward to seeing how they bring Jason back in the next movie because at this point in the, the franchise I do have to say I'm completely lost. At this point, like a lot of the stuff I remember from Friday the 13th were from these earlier movies. And probably the only other one that I've got real clear memories of is Jason X. But we'll get that in time. So that's going to do it for Hellmouth Hotline for this episode. If you enjoyed it, please let me know in the, the comments or whatever way it works for audio podcasts. Uh, or hit me up on email at hellmouthhotline at gmail.com and definitely follow the show share it along to anybody you think would enjoy it and I will talk to you all in the next episode stay safe guys this has been a production of Coins Edge Media thank you so much for listening